invite you to pray with me. Uh, Lord, today, uh, there's a bunch of us in this room that uh, need the message of that song. We have, our hearts feel out of tune. Uh, we feel a little bit confused, or maybe a lot confused. And so what we need is we need uh, your love and your kindness to tune our hearts in a different way. And so we want to listen and hear what you have to say to us and see what it is that you want us to do uh, in 2017 and this week. And so we're asking for you to speak now to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, you picked a really great day to be here today. I don't know why you decided to be here. I don't know if you're here because of New Year's resolution. I don't know if you're here because someone dragged you here. I don't know if you're here because you just love being here. Whatever it is, I'm glad you're here. Picked a great day to be here. We're launching into a a new series today. Uh, Before we jump into that, I want to tell you uh, a little update about the Christmas offering. For those of you that don't know, every year we take an offering, uh, and we give away every penny. We take it at Christmas time, and our goal this year was uh, $75,000 to give away. And what you gave, what you raised, was $63,045.34. I might have my last two numbers transposed there, which represents, and we didn't meet our goal, but represents the largest amount of money as a church we've ever given away at one time. Awesome. Yep. Uh, now, one of, the, one of the things, for those of you that know, uh, or if you don't know, one of the things we do with that is uh, we nominate people. I think somewhere around 250 or so families or individuals uh, are nominated through that. And then as the Christmas offering, the person who nominated them takes a check to them. And so I've been, um, since Christmas Day, been getting thank yous. People will write or they'll send in a card or they'll make a phone call thanking me on behalf of what you've done. And I wanted you to hear a couple of the of things that... Um, people have said, we ask everyone who, who delivers a check to tell us when they delivered it and give us a little bit of the story, and so they do that. But here's, one, here's a card someone sent in, just came in the mail yesterday. Um, this is what they said. I was so touched when I was given your generous gift. It seems that whenever I begin to lose faith and to start to think of my glass as only half empty, God reminds me that it is half full. My husband and I are immensely grateful to your congregation for your generosity. May God bless you all. Someone who received that. Yeah. Um, then this was a story someone wrote that they delivered, they delivered a check to someone, and this is their story. It's what they said. Uh, my friend, uh, we'll call her Sue. My friend Sue brought the check to, we'll call him Todd, the person who received it. Todd knew that Sue was coming over with the check and was so excited. Sue ordered his hospital bed for him, and the company that was selling the bed was discounting a lot of items, and he was not only able to get a hospital bed, but also bed sheets, a shower chair, a bedside table, a trapeze, which is one of those things you can pull yourself up on, and a toilet as well. He was able to buy everything uh, that he needed to be able to live at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Todd is only 31 years old, too young to spend the rest of his life at a nursing home. Sue said he was so happy that the, uh, knowing he was going to receive this gift, uh, he was stressing out until that point. Todd's so very thankful, and she said he did everything he could not to cry. Sue's hoping that maybe in the future he would come visit our church and ask us to pray about that. She said he lives nearby. Thank you so much for this blessing for Todd. I don't know him, but I can't imagine being 31 years old, newly a quadriplegic, and spending the rest of my life in a nursing home. Thank you for giving Todd a reason to have hope and be joyful. And you did that. Yeah. I'm just so proud of you. I'm just, I'm so proud of you. You did that. And I'm, uh, thank you. Thank you for doing that for people in our community. Well, we always read a passage of scripture together. I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. 
and I'm going to read it aloud. It'll be on the screen behind me. You can follow along. If you have a Bible, you can open it there, or, one, or a, a, a Bible app on your phone. You can follow along there. This is from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth. This is what he says in chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Uh, I don't know if I were to ask you uh, who has deeply influenced you in your life. I, my guess is if that you could uh, recollect and, and make a list of the people who've deeply influenced you in your life, uh, my guess is that the number of people would be very small. Maybe two, maybe three, uh, maybe five. Uh, it might be a teacher, it might be a parent, it might be someone that you've uh, followed from a distance for a long time. One of those people for me is a guy by the name of Dallas Willard, who's a follower of Jesus and has written a lot, and his writing has been very influential in my life, one of the people that's deeply influenced me. And about probably 15 or so years ago, I read this phrase, I'm going to read to you from him, and it, it changed the course of my life. And so I, wanna, I want you to hear what he had to say, because it's what we're talking about through this series. Uh, but this is what he said. Uh, the failure to get a deeply satisfying life always has the effect of making sin look good. Let me say that to you again. The failure to get a deeply satisfying life, he's meaning in God, always has the effect of making sin look good. In, in other words, what he's saying is if, if you don't get a satisfying life, if you don't have a satisfying life, you'll turn to substitutes. Uh, now we're talking about health this morning. And uh, so I'll use an example from that. It'd be like choosing margarine over butter, right? Uh, now, now, a number of years ago, I remember when I was a kid, you know, butter was apparently bad for you. And so this new thing, margarine, which is, I think, one or two molecules away from plastic, literally, uh, came out. And everyone's like, oh, it's margarine. So we're slathering, putting plastic in our arteries. Uh, it doesn't taste good. It hardly melts. Uh, it's disgusting. But then there's butter. Can I get an amen for butter? Come on, yes. Uh, it, I mean, butter, you melt it on your toast or on an English muffin or you cook green beans with it or you, and you may just make anything with butter, it's better, right? Here's what, here's what Dallas Willard's saying. If you don't get a satisfying life, you're going to find some substitute somewhere and it's not going to be nearly as good. You're, that's what's exactly what's going to happen to you. Now, this, is person, this series is personal for me because I want this. I want a satisfying life. I don't want to turn to substitute. And because I want it, I also want it for you, just as a follower of Jesus, I want it for you, and then as your pastor, I want you to have a satisfying life. What if in 2017, at the end of 2017, you could look back and you could say about your life, I'm satisfied with my life. I like the person that I am. I like what's around me. I like, I like the kind of uh, attitudes and vibes that I give out. I like my life. How would you like that in 2017, if you could say that? Would you, would you like that? Both of you? Great. Good for you. <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to do a series, this series is about that, it's about starting off 2017, figuring out how in the world can I get a satisfying life so that I don't turn to substitutes. And so we're going to cover a lot of ground today, uh, you might want to, it's going to kind of be fast, 
And you might want to listen again. You might go online later this week and listen again. Or, or if you get our podcast, you can listen again that way. But here, here's who this whole series is for, and, and especially today. Uh, this series is for anyone who has been beaten down by life and been beaten up by life. Now, if you know the difference of those, you know, if you're, if you're beaten up by life, that means what happens is you try and you try, and it seems like you take blows every time you try. You ever been there? If you're beaten down by life, it's you've tried and you tried, but now you've given up trying. <laughs> you're like, I'm done. And so somewhere, we're all kind of somewhere on that spectrum where either you're like, I'm done, I'm done trying, forget it, I'm not doing any New Year's resolutions, I can't be a better person, uh, that's not going to happen for me. We're, we're, I'm talking to those kinds of people. So if you're at the end of your rope or you feel the weight of your past choices and you've made some bad choices or you made some mistaken choices or you made some dumb choices, here's what I know about life. Life can be hard and it can be brutal. And, and in the phrase, a famous phrase, it can be nasty, brutish, and short. And life can take something from you. Have you ever felt that way? Like, is life just taking things from me? Is it ever going to give me anything? But here's what I know about the grace of God and the kindness of God, is that the grace of God, instead of taking something from you, gives something to you. And what the grace of God gives to you is the ability to have a do-over in your life and gives you the love that makes that possible. Because here's what many of us in the room feel about our past. We look at our past as a sentence on our future, and we say, well, I am doomed to repeat the past. It was like that. It's never going to be any different, and we just think it's a sentence. You're like, we're never going to have anything different. The message of God's kindness and God's love and God's grace is that it's not a sentence. Your past is not a sentence on your future. It's not the defining thing about what's going to happen to you. So uh, we're going to look at this, this letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth, particularly this, this verse right here um, in chapter 5 of uh, um, 2 Corinthians, and Paul writes this letter to the, the Christians in Corinth, and this is a, a city in ancient Turkey. It was a very important city in that day. Uh, it was a very cosmopolitan city. Uh, that's where the precursor to what became the Olympic Games was first played. Um, a lot of people went to that city in hopes that they could get a better life, kind of like Chicago. It's just, uh, they went there, you know, there are people that in that city of opportunity and uh, enterprise, People made some hard choices, and they made some dumb choices, and they made some bad choices, and they needed a do-over, and, so, and Paul knew that, and so he's, you need to hear what he says to them, because it's what God says to you, and this is what he said to them. If anyone, can you say the word anyone? Anyone, anyone way better than the nine o'clock, because you're awake. Say it again, ready? Anyone, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come the old has gone, the new is here. The new creation. What in the world is the new creation? Well, you've got to understand what that means to make sense of what Paul's saying to us. Now, uh, there's a story about how the world happened. W- whatever your outlook on life is, however you see the world, you have a story that you tell yourself about how the world is the way that it is and why it is the way that it is. If you are a person who had no faith at all, you have a story about the way, where the world came from and where it's headed. If you are a Buddhist or a Muslim, you have a story about where the world came from and where it's headed. Christians are no different. The Christian story of the world goes like this, that God made the world and he said that it was good. It was good. It wasn't bad. It was good. And that we then messed it up, but God didn't give up on the world. He came into the world as a baby. So when Jesus comes, that's God in human form coming into the world. He dies on the cross for the sins of the world that he made good, that we messed up. And then he rose again, we celebrate on Easter, he rose again from the dead as a taste of what God wants to do for every single person. Wants to make them new. Wants to resurrect their life, wants to include them 
in his life. Another, a better way of saying that is wants to give them a do-over. That's exactly what the new creation is about. So you, you could even, if you, when you hear that phrase, new creation, as we go through this series, I want you to think do-over. So you could read the verse like this. If anyone is in Christ, the do-over has come. The old has gone, the new has come. So this is God's, God's project, is the new creation. Let me, let me tell you what the gospel message is. The gospel message is that any, at any moment, anyone can trade their screwed up creation for God's new creation. Anybody screwed things up in 2016? At any moment, anyone can trade in their screwed up creation for God's new creation. So how in the world do you live out that new creation, how do you do that? Well, what you do is you let it affect every part of your life. You don't leave anything out. If you got something new and it was better and it was improved and it was different, why would you leave any part of your life out? So what we're going to do over the course of this series is we're going to go through the different parts of our life that all of us have and we have to figure out how to deal with. And we're going to find out what God says about those things and get some tools to experience the do-over that God has for us. So today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to start with your health. We're going to start with your body. And um, I know immediately when I say that, some of you are like, oh, man, I feel pretty bad about myself. Uh, you're gonna, don't guilt me. Please don't shame me. We're not, this, is, this is not going to be a guilt-shame session in any of these series. We don't operate with guilt or shame as a motivator. Uh, this is going to be something that empowers you because I want you to hear three things that the Bible says about your body. You may think, well, the Bible talks about my body. Yes. I'm going to tell you three things the Bible says about you, and then I'm gonna, we're going to have a panel of people who have gone on a journey of getting healthy and you'll get to hear uh, from them and you'll get some tools out of that here's the first thing that God says about your body it's this your body is good just say the word good good right so Genesis chapter 1 God creates us on the sixth day and and the the statement from Genesis 131 is God saw all that he had made and it was very good now here's what that means your body like it currently is is good doesn't matter what shape it's in. Doesn't matter if you have any parts that are not working. Doesn't matter if you have any parts that have been replaced. Your body, the way that it currently is, when God looks at your body, you know what he says? It's good. In fact, the psalmist picks up on this uh, in the Old Testament. He's, the psalmist says this, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know when someone knits, you know how they come up with those intricate patterns? And what they do when they come up with those intricate patterns is they plan for it. They go, well, I'm going to make this red and this blue and I'm going to make that yellow. And they get the yarn and they prepare in advance and they knit this intricate pattern together. This is the, the image of what God did with your body. God knit you together in an intricate way. And, he, and so he says, I, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, fearfully. When you see your body the way God sees your body, it ought to inspire reverence. And you go, wow. I don't know if you've ever done this. You could, you could just make this a pr try this this week. But just pick some part of your body and just think about how magnificent it is. I, I like to think about my hand. The fact that I can make my, all my fingers touch my thumb and I don't have to send a message consciously to say, do that. I can bend down. I can pick something up. I mean, just the marvel of my hand. That my fingers can close around something. The skin, if it gets cut, heals itself. That's marvelous. Think about your joints or think about your brain or your heart or your eyeball. I mean, just, just take a part of your body this week and think it through. You'll, be, you'll say, man, that is fearfully and wonderfully made. The word wonderfully means extraordinary, surpassing, ought to be treated differently. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He goes on, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was, there's the word again, 
woven together in the depths of the earth. Now, the message that gets sent to us about our body is not that our body is good, but that your body is good if it's in a certain shape, right? I was in the grocery store this week, and I took a picture of all the magazines that were right there. And so here's a kind of collage of the pictures I just snapped. Every single magazine on the shelf said something about your body, told you that you were either not looking like the beautiful people, or the beautiful people look terrible, so you ought to feel good that they look bad, right? And the message that gets sent over and over, watch the commercials this week, over and over again, is if your body looks like this, then you can say it's good. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that your body is straight up good. First thing. Second thing is this. Your body is important. So since God made your body, it's important. Anything that God makes is important. Have you ever created something? You've made it yourself? Do you know how important, how tied you are to the thing that you created? And how you say, man, that's really important. Well, God thinks the same thing about you and about your body. He made you, so your body's important. I'll give you another twist on it. Paul writes this to Timothy in the New Testament. He says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So what Paul is saying is, listen, if you had to choose between having a great body by physical training or being a great person, because a godly person is a great person, and all the godly people I know, man, they are fantastic human beings. If you, had to, if you had to choose, pick being a great person, because it has value in this life and the life to come. But Paul's not saying you have to choose. He's saying the physical body, the, the, the training of your physical body, taking care of it because your body's important, actually is the thing that allows you to express the godly character that God's building into you. Because listen, if you don't have a body, you can't hug anybody. If you don't have the energy to listen to somebody, you can't listen to somebody. You need ears for listening to somebody. If you're going to serve the poor, you've got to be a user body to go do it, right? You've got to do all those things. Your body is incredibly important. Now, the, 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 the message we get sent, though, is that our body is all important. Not that our body is important. It's all important. It's like everything. And you better get it right or you're messing it up, right? That's the message that gets sent. Third thing is this, is your body is a tool to fulfill God's purpose. You have, you have a purpose. And God has a purpose for your life. And your body is a tool to make that happen. Here's, here's how Paul says it. He says, for uh, he is the one, talking about Jesus, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that, here's the purpose, we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. When the Bible talks about being mature in Christ, yeah, that's, a, that's a code for saying, the person God always intended you to be from the very beginning. And you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have as a purpose to help everyone around you become everything that they were meant to be. Listen, your body is a tool to fulfill that purpose. And if you don't take care of the tool, you cannot fulfill the purpose. So let me, let me say my only challenging thing to you. Do you have anything in your life that you take better care of than your body? Do you take better care of your body or your car? Do you take better care of your technology than your body? You've you got to ask yourself that question. Because here's the message we get sent, though, about uh, uh, the culture around us. It says that your body is a playground. Not that it's a tool that has a, fulfills a purpose. It's a playground. So, like, when I take my kids to the playground and something breaks on the playground, guess what? I don't care. I don't, I, let's go, guys. It's broken. It's not mine to fix. I don't have to worry about it. And when you treat your body like a playground, you don't, you don't care what happens to it. You don't take care of it. Your body's a tool to fulfill God's purpose. Now, 
Um, I've got some friends here this morning um, who are part of our church who are going to come up right now, and we're going to have a little conversation about health. Come on up, guys. We're going to have a little conversation about health, and I want you to hear their journey and their story as to how they got to where they are, and uh, I think you'll be inspired by what they have to say to you this morning. So would you welcome these guys as they come up? So you know uh, Rich Evans. Rich is our family ministry pastor. And Rich, over the last year plus, you've been on a journey to uh, getting healthy. Tell us where you were and tell us where you are. Okay, so in 2014, I think about this, in 2014, um, in November, I started getting some chest pains. And heart disease is a big thing in my family. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was acid reflux. Um, you know, was, was what I was eating. Went to Walgreens, got the little purple pill, started taking it, it went away. Life was good, but it didn't go away. It stayed in December, progressively got worse, but I, I just kept doing my routine. January came in uh, two years ago this month, about this time. January came and Missy and I were sitting on the couch and man, it was really, it was really hitting me hard. And I said, honey, I, I think we need to go to the, we, go to, we need to go to St. Mary's. I, th I think there's something wrong. I mean, <laughs> listen, Nobody knows your body better than you do, okay? So when your body tells you something's not right, pay attention to it. Because I went to the hospital that day, and um, they, 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 my, my blood pressure was skyrocketed. They kept me overnight. They kept me actually for two nights. Um, my doctor came in, sent me to the cardiologist. I did an echocardiogram, stress test, all the heart stuff. Um, and he realized, you know, your heart's fine, but your cholesterol is way out of whack. I mean, it's not good. You got to get off the processed meats and all that. So he said, uh, he sent me home with some uh, cholesterol medicine. And you know what I did? I went back into my same routine. I went to work every day, grabbed two Reese's peanut butter cups and a Mountain Dew. And that was my breakfast. And, you know, delicious. I had my, it was delicious. Right. Delicious. Right. And, and Missy would say, Rich, seriously, that's not good. I'd say, seriously, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I went back to my routine. And what I didn't realize was um, I started gaining a lot more weight. And Fast forward to November of uh, 2015, or yeah, 15, and I went to tie my shoe, and I couldn't do it because I, because when I bent over, my my I cut off my oxygen, and I had to, <gasps> and then I realized in that moment, okay, something's not right. So that night, I decided, in, in instead of financially supporting the YMCA only, I thought the YMCA <laughs> maybe should support me. And uh, I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Missy was still sound asleep, had no idea, and I, and I went right to the YMCA, and I haven't stopped. I, and what I did was I set some goals. I knew I had to change everything. And I downloaded an app called MyFitnessPal. It's, it's a free app. It's a great app. And I started logging my calories. Now, here's what I learned right away. It wasn't, I wasn't depressed because of the amount of calories I wasn't going to eat. I was depressed the amount of calories I was eating. It was an eye-opener for me. So I started tr tracking my calories, and uh, MyFitnessPal also allows you to track your steps. I set a goal of 10,000 steps a day, and um, I was about 40 to 45 pounds heavier than who I am today. Hmm. And I set some short-term goals, and yeah. <laughs> one of my short-term goals was just to lose two pounds a week. And here's the thing. I wasn't going to go on a diet. I wanted to find foods that I could eat because um, we're busy people. 
So I, I would go to like Chipotle, I'd find something I could eat there and made it part of my diet, read labels and just started tracking it. And then um, it started coming off. And my, my, so my short-term goal was two pounds a week. Also get off the cholesterol medicine. Long-term goal was, this is the best one, was to get off the, the soda. So my goal was to go a year without having any soda at all. And now I am 13 months without having any soda in my life at all. So went to the doctor, uh, my follow-up, I'm down, at that time I was down 20 pounds. He says, what are you doing? I told him, he says, your cholesterol levels are great. It's part of the medicine, part of your routine. He said, I'll bring you back in six months. If your cholesterol levels are still down, you get to your target weight where you want to be at, then I'll take you off the medicine. I'm completely off cholesterol medicine. So that's kind of that's been my journey. I hit the YMCA five times a week, about an hour a day. Um, you'll see me, if you'll be shopping at Meyer's Grocery Store, you'll see me in there. Yeah, you laugh, He's but it the works. Weird guy. I'm the weird guy that walks the perimeter of Meyer's to get 12,000 <laughs> steps. Met a lot of interesting people. I have a lady that when I walk in the door, she goes, oh, you're back. Where's your wife? I said, I'm bringing her. She's coming. And uh, we walked that store. But that's kind of my routine. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was going to teach some guys way back when all this began about the importance of taking care of yourself. And I remember God whispering to me, kind of what Scott's talked about this morning was, how could you possibly teach somebody about their body and what I want for them if you're not willing to do it yourself? And I was like, okay, eye opener. So that's, that's kind of my story. So you didn't do a diet. No. You, no, you, be, did, a, you did a lifestyle change. It's, it's a lifestyle change. Right? You, ate, you ate differently and mm-hmm. you moved more. Yes. Not super complicated. Right? Don't, you got it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. This, this is, uh, this is Brenda, Brenda Ferris. So, Brenda, tell us, tell us where you were and then where you are now. Okay, first things first, you have to know that I was a preemie a, in the 70s, which is worse. <laughs> um, I was born September 10th. I was due on Halloween, October 31st. And because of that, I have major learning and physical disabilities. Um, the learning disabilities is I can't read, really. I have like a first grade reading level. I'm severely dyslexic even now. And my physical disabilities is everybody has a groove that their kneecap sits in, but mine doesn't. Mine is off to the side. And all the way through my school years, I, my knee would just pop off. I mean, all the time. I'd one go and then I'd get off the crutches and the other one would go. And that was my entire primary school years. And finally, in my senior year of high school, they kind of rebuilt me a little bit. (laughs) Um, They just took the tendons and ligaments and strengthened them. They still go out, yes, they still have it, but it's not as bad. I mean, I'll be on a crutches or cane for a couple days, but it's not like I'm in a cast for six months. Um, When I went to college, which was a miracle to get into, by the way, I got into grad school, which is very hard to get into in the art field. I'm an art teacher now, and I'm an art artist. I think we have some pictures of some of your art, too. I think they're going to throw that up there. And so I, while I was in grad school, my first semester, um, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, I did. I put all my whole semester of work in a kiln, and it blew up the entire semester. And so I was crushed. I went home devastated. I thought this is the worst day of my life. Never say that, never. (laughs) It made it that so. So when I got home, my kids were already asleep. 
My husband was in bed. He screamed, my medicine's on the my chair. So I went to get my medicine, and I somebody missed a, the garbage can with a piece of junk mail, and I hydroplaned on it and wrapped my leg up under me and shattered my tib and my fib. And I was uh, completely had not able to put any weight on my left leg for like six months. And the next year and a half, I mean, literally was learning how to rewalk because, I mean, it was a very large problem. I have a plate and 14 pins now, still. Well, while I was in college, though, I mean, God put me there for a reason. I had a great professor. She was wonderful. She was running the Chicago Marathon. And she encouraged us all to, you know, if you're stressed out or something, just go to the gym, get it out of your system, and then come back. And so I did. I mean, I was going to therapy three times a week, and I was going to the gym three times a week. And I got stronger, and I probably stronger than I've ever been. And so it came up, I was doing Weight Watchers at the time, and it came up that they were doing a 5K, and my husband thought it was crazy. But I did it. I loved it. I thought it was the best time of my life. I really enjoyed it. And then the next year, I did it again. Now, the year after that, they canceled the program, so they didn't have it anymore. But that's when I found World Vision. And World Vision, if you don't know, is a nonprofit organization that helps give life-saving needs like water, food, education to people in third world countries, specifically Africa, South America, and a few other places. And I, par I partnered with them, and I did the Chicago Marathon. Hmm. I only got through half of it. Um, somebody was puking out the side of the road, so I went to check on her, and I twisted my ankle, so that was over. Life, life lesson, walk past the vomit. <laughs> right. Right. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so I was really frustrated. You know, I didn't get my goal. Well, Rusty from World Vision, we and him had a long talk, and he's like, did you know we do half marathons? <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> so I got on my computer, and... Uh, Wow, Grand Rapids, that's not too far away. And they don't have a time limit. You can do their full marathon. They have a full and a half marathon that there's no time limit. As long as you keep walking, you can get through it. So it took me six hours to get through a half marathon. And that wasn't my first half marathon, though. I had done three already. So that was like, a, you know, I've got yeah. four halves in my, under my belt now. Thank you. And so I have signed on this year as a captain for World Vision because I think they're a fabulous organization. So I'm partnering with them again this year, and I will be doing another half marathon in October for them. So. Yeah, and so you've, um, you've uh, from a, a year ago or so, you have done the same thing Rich did. You've mm -hmm. been eating differently, moving more, and you've lost? About 75, 75 pounds. 75 pounds. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So, so from, from here down, we're the normal people. And these are the super people right here. <laughs> this is Rick and Amy Adams. They're, they're personal trainers. So it's a different perspective. But it's not been a perfect journey for you either. I mean, you might think, oh, if you're a personal trainer, everything worked out great for you and it was easy. Tell us, tell us your story. Start with you, Amy. Well, my mom always worked out and was an aerobics instructor. So it was kind of natural for me. And when I was 13, I started struggling with binge eating disorder. 
And so as I got more and more into health and fitness, it was kind of like a mission for me to help other people create a healthy relationship with food. And then my husband encouraged me to become a personal trainer and an instructor. And what I have found is that I love watching people change physically and how it changes them emotionally and spiritually. And so now that's kind of what I'm spending my life doing. Yeah, and now these guys, and, and this wasn't a plant thing, but they're, they've started a studio in Chesterton with group classes and training and all that. And it's free, like this, you're just opening tomorrow, right? Yes, Ignite Fitness opens tomorrow, and we're doing an entire free week of classes with childcare. So if you do want to get into health and fitness, or you already are, please come check us out. Yeah, yeah. And then, and this is Rick, so, and I've worked out with Rick a couple times, and I want to throw up when I'm done. Um, <laughs> He's a beast here. But so tell us your journey. You've well, I've been in it for 22 years now. And then I started when I was 13. When I was 18, I got into powerlifting until about 21. And I blew my back out on a squat. Hmm. So about a year of rehab, and then I got into bodybuilding, and which is a totally different diet than hmm. by that. And I've done about every diet out there. So, so. You've, you've got an injury, and that hasn't prevented you from being healthy. No. I, yeah. I just found out how to rehab it in, in better form on squats and all that and do the weight you can control. Yeah, yeah. And so, and the same thing, you would say the same thing that they've said, that it's really not complicated. It's, you got to eat differently and you got to move more. It's not complicated. Right? And if anybody has any questions, just message us on Facebook and we'll, we'll get back to them. Yeah, so um, I, we're just in the interest of time. What, what's the thing that you guys would say, like to just love to hear from each of you, to someone who is where you were um, and they're feeling overwhelmed and they're thinking, I can't do this or I've tried 400 times and I've failed. What advice would you give them? Little steps at a time. Uh, you know, I didn't start out doing a marathon, didn't start out doing a half marathon, I started out with a 5K. And most programs like that have easy, um, you know, bites. You know, just take it a step at a time. You're not gonna get there, you're not gonna do a marathon tomorrow, just bites, little bites. I would say, um short-term goals and long-term go goals and give yourself time and grace. In other words, short-term goals um, allow you to, to celebrate the small steps like she just talked about. And long-term goals keep you focused on the end. And, and I would also say, and I, I think we can throw it up on the screen, my fitness pal, yeah. download that app um, because free. it's free. It's totally free. It, it tracks your steps, marks your calories. And here's the other thing. It's also a, an accountability thing for me because like the other day, I, I, I looked at it, and it says you've logged on for 400-something days. And, and then all of a sudden, you, you feel really good about yourself. Short-term goals, long-term goals, time, grace, and celebrate. Okay, great. What about you guys? Uh, start small, track your food, and grab a partner so you have accountability, too. So, and the food thing, you, um, it's called macros. Yeah. For the, for the un for those of us that don't know what that means, what does that mean? Protein, carbs, and fat. So that, and that's you got to have that the right combination of protein, carbs, and fat. So you're saying that we can eat fat. You can eat you can eat fat. That should have gotten an amen, but no one said that, <laughs> right? So you can eat fat. So fat is actually good for you in fat, the right in the right part of your diet, good. right? Yes. Because why do you need fat? You need fat to keep all your hormones level and everything. You should have around 20% fat. 20% fat. In your diet. So we can go from here and eat bacon at lunch and not feel guilty about you, it. You can. We can. Okay. And bacon in the morning is the best. Bacon in the morning. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Um, my advice is just to always get back on the horse because it gets easier, but you're always going to have failures and setbacks and still having failures and setbacks. 
So don't say I'll start tomorrow or I'll start Monday. If you have a failure, just get back up and get back at it. So let's just give you an illustration. So if, if you knew someone who loved orange chocolate Milano cookies and put them in the freezer and then uh, in a moment of weakness ate through the entire bag because they were so delicious, I'm not saying it was me, but it was. <laughs> if, you did, if you did that, you're saying don't say forget it, I can't do this, I must be a failure. Just the next meal, the next thing, just start over. Yep, right? hop back on. Because one bad meal, one good meal doesn't make you healthy. One bad meal doesn't ruin your fitness. Okay, great, great. Can we say thank you to these guys? Yep. They're going uh, to be back in the community space if you have questions. Now, the YMCA is here. YMCA is one of our partners. We love what they do for our community. Um, they're in the community space. There's free blood screening. There's a, a body composition thing you can do. You can win a few prizes. Um, they're even given a they're raffling or they're doing a drawing for a free month of membership. There's a, there's a health thing and the ins and outs of arthritis coming up. They wanted me to say things about women health things, but I said I'm not saying that. But you can get the <laughs> flyer in there. Uh, you can get to do that in there. These guys will be there. They can answer questions. And, to, and here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to understand that God's grace is available to you in every area of your life to do it over. The past is not a sentence on your future. Now, I want, you to, I want you to mark that in your body. And so what we did is we made this little temporary tattoo that says do over and 2 Corinthians 5, 17. My wife will not let me get this permanent and I'm probably too much of a pansy to actually do it permanently if she would. <laughs> uh, but you can pick one of those temporary tattoos up on the way out. And then also, um, I asked everybody on the panel to put down one of their favorite recipes that's healthy and cheap and you can make it easily. And it, so as you leave out the door, those recipes will be there. You can pick up one of those temporary tattoos. Uh, but I want to pray for us and pray for your 2017. So if you'd stand with me, I want to pray, and then we'll give you the blessing, and then, and then you can go. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace that's uh, bigger than our failures. Uh, some of us, when we think about our health, we're so overwhelmed by it that we don't even know where to start. But thank you that you don't look at us with judgment and condemnation. You look at us and say that our body's good. And so we can look in the mirror this week and not be disgusted and say, oh, you see me as good. So God, let us start from that position, from understanding how you see us, and let that work into our mind and into our heart and into our psyche so that we see ourselves the way you see us. And we can begin in 2017 to um, improve our body so that we can use it as the tool that you intended it to be. And so God, I pray your blessing on every person in this room as they embark on a journey of of doing it over in every area of their life, of finding that your grace is available for every part of our life. Thank you for that. Uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. We always leave you with a blessing, and if you'd like to receive it, you'll see people holding out their hands. That's just their way of saying, I'd love to receive that. If you're comfortable with that, great. If you're not, that's okay, too. Just receive this blessing. May you know the God who looks at your body, sees the whole thing, and says it's good. May you know that he loves you and that you can love him in return, and so you're sent now to love God, to love people, to serve the world in his name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them, check out the why in the community space. See ya.